Welcome everyone to Daf Yomi one week at a time, Masachet Kiddushin. Uh, today is our seventh class, and we are going to be reviewing Daf 46 to 52. Uh, first of all, Madim Simcha, uh, wishing everyone a wonderful Sukkot. Uh, sorry, I'm not in my Sukkah, but uh, the Wi Fi is not very good there. So, <laughs> uh, sorry, we're not learning in our Sukkahs, but. Uh, Really wishing everyone a wonderful Sukkot. Um, okay, um, let's begin on Daf 46. Um, we let's go to the Mishnah uh, on Daf 46, and um, here we're going to talk about, if you remember, um, the minimal amount uh, of value that a man can use in order to betroth. Uh, a woman, we said, was a pruta, uh, which is a very small amount. Um, so now the the Mishnah tells us that if a man betrothes a woman with a date, the fruit, a date, um, and then again with a nut, so he says, like you're going to be betrothed to me with this date, and you're going to be betrothed to me with this date, and this date, and he keeps giving her dates. So each one of them has to be valued, or at least one of them needs to be valued higher than a pruta, um, because the, the Mishnah is telling us that they do not combine, because every time he makes the statement, you are going to be betrothed to me with this, it's only this, not, he didn't say with this and this and this and this, right? If you, if you say it in that way, uh, then they all combine. All right, so if he gives her a group of dates and then says, I would like to betroth you with this, so then they can combine and all together they need to be uh, the value of a pruta. Um, let's say that he gives her the date and she eats it. So then he gives her another date and she eats it, right? So how does that work in terms of the value? Um, so again, um, because she's only getting one at a time, each one or at least one of them has to have the value of a pruta, um, and they don't combine because she's, they don't exist at the same time, right? Every time she gets one, she eats it. Um, so now the Gemara explains um, that our Mishnah is according to Rabbi Shimon that separates each statement. Remember, as I said, uh, you will be betrothed to me with this. You will be betrothed to me with this. Each time he makes a statement, it's separate. It's not one whole, um, it's not what, seen as one statement. Um, so right, if he gives her, let's say, the first date, and it's one of many that he intended to give her all of them, so then... It is, uh, they might combine it because the Gemara explains it's actually like a loan, right? He's saying, hold on to this one minute, hold on to this one minute. And then at the end, he says, I want you to be betrothed to me, right? And she cannot, um, but the issue here is, and we're going to see this now, you cannot betroth a woman with a loan, We'll see what that means in one minute. Um, but right, let's say he says, right, hold on to this. You know, I'll I'll give it to you in a minute, but hold on to this. So that seems to be not hers yet. Uh, and that wouldn't be valid. Um, 
the the Gemara talks in, about the other case where she eats them. The Gemara says, well, wait a minute. Each time she eats it, she's enjoying it. So she's getting benefit. Um, so maybe that is a valid betrothal. The Gemara says, no, each one has to be valued at a pruta. Um, and therefore, uh, then it would be valued. It would be valid. Or no, the last one needs to have the value of a pruta because that's the end of the statement of the betrothal. Um, okay, let's go back to this idea of betrothing with a loan. Um, so the the Gemara explains if you betroth a woman with a loan plus something that has the value of a pruta, so then it's valued. Then it's valid because she's focusing on that object that's worth a pruta, right? The loan by itself doesn't work. Um, so now we're going to try to understand this case. So let's say money that he gave her as a loan, right? We said he can't betroth her with a loan. What loan? So one option is that he loaned her money. Um, and then um, he says, um, right, the money that I gave you, so that'll be for the kiddushin. Right, so she needs to return the money because um, it wasn't valid kiddushin. It doesn't work. Um, and it's not a gift because he didn't say this is a gift. This is something you have to repay me. Um, so the Gemara says, well, maybe it's collateral, right? Collateral is you hold on to this. And if I don't pay you back, so then you get to keep this collateral. Um, or maybe the money is a gift, but. Um, but because the money didn't really accomplish anything. So Gemara says, hold on, let's let's see how um, how this works, right? Um, the Gemara talks about separating chala, right? Chala is something we take off of um, our dough. It's a gift that's given to the Kohen. Um, it's taken off of dough. It's not taken off of the flour yet, right? So the Gemara says that if you separate chala from the flour, it's not valid, but the Gemara says, wait a minute, if you give the flower to the Kohen, maybe it's a gift. Um, the Gemara says, no, that's not a gift, meaning you're separating chala, so it's not the same thing, right? So, the, so it says, maybe you'll think the flower is chala, uh, and therefore it's not valid. So the Gemara says, well, why don't we just tell him this isn't chala, um, and you need to take off truma. This was just a gift. And the Gemara says, no, um, that's not the way we give gifts, meaning either you give a gift or you give truma. It's two separate things. Um, okay, so now the Gemara on Da 47 tells us that if he said, right, you back to the dates, if he says you are betrothed to me with all of these, then even if she eats them one at a time, it's valid because it's going all going to combine into one, right? Because she has in mind to, she knows she's getting right. All of these means more than one. So she realizes she's going to get more. Um, but if he says with this, and then with this, and then with this, as we said, each one has to be valued at a pruta. Um, again, with this, we said, each one has to have the value. If he says with these, 
So then together they combine in order to um, be valid. They combine to the value of a fruta. Um, okay, back to the idea of a loan, right? A loan is meant to be spent, right? If someone says, can I borrow $100? When you give me the $100, we assume that I'm going to spend it, right? Therefore, right, if he lent her money, he can't say now afterwards, oh, the money that I lent you, uh, I want you to be betrothed to me with that. Why? Because she already spent it, right? It's not like she's keeping it for, you know, an extended period of time. She spent it already. Um, okay. Um, the Gemara says, or maybe it does work because maybe the loan isn't, we don't assume that you're going to spend it right away. Maybe you're going to keep it. Maybe you're saving it for a rainy day and therefore she might have it and therefore it would be valid. Um, however, the Gemara tells us that you can buy something with a loan, right? Let's say I lend you money and then I want to buy something for, or you want to buy something, hold on, I lend you money, and then I want to buy something for you from you, I can say, you know what, don't pay me back the money, and I'll get, right, this whatever it is that I wanted to buy from you, right? So a loan can be used, um, right, as a sale, uh, but not for betrothal, not for kiddushin. Um, or another option of what this means alone, um, there's another case. The case is, let's say he says, I want you to be betrothed to me with these, right, $100. Um, but he only gives her 99, right? So then what's that other dollar, right? So maybe that's like a loan, right? Like, I'll, I'll pay it for you. Don't worry, I'll pay it, I'll pay it back or I'll pay it to you. Um, so that's the loan. And we're concerned that maybe she'll be embarrassed to ask for the other dollar. And right, therefore, she didn't really accept the betrothal because she's not sure she's ever going to get that other dollar. So that's what, what it could mean alone and that it's not valid. Or maybe, no, what do you mean a dollar? I can ask you for a dollar. Um, so again, it seems that she, right, maybe she, it's as if she lent him this, uh, this dollar and she accepts Kiddushin. So that maybe that's not the case, right? But what if he says, I want you to be betrothed to me for a hundred and I'll give you a hundred dollars and he only gives her one dollar, right? I'll buy you a diamond ring, but here's a bottle cap, right? So meaning not even close to what he said he was going to give her. So then, interestingly enough, the Gemara tells us that that's valid because obviously he's going to give her the other 99 because that's obvious that that's what he's going to give her. And she's not going to be embarrassed to ask, right, where's my diamond ring? You said you were going to give me a diamond ring because it's obvious that he's going to give it to her. Uh, therefore, that could be valid. Um, let's say... Um, she's holding on to collateral that he gave her. Uh, again, right, she lent him money, he gave her a collateral. So she's holding on to, right, his watch, let's say. And he says, I want to betroth you with the watch that I gave you in collateral. Um, 
So now the question is, what happens if that collateral was stolen or lost? Um, so if there's at least a pruta left, so that can't be with the watch, but let's say he gives her, right, a pile of apples. So someone stole most of them, but there's one left. So if there's at least a pruta left in her house, so then it's valid. But if not, so no, right? He gave her a watch, the watch was stolen. No, that doesn't count. But the, now here, this Brita says that if he does betroth her with a loan, so then it is valid. But we just said that it's not valid. Um, so we say, no, the loan is like a collateral. Right? If there's something left of the loan, so then it would be valid. And if not, so then it wouldn't be valid. Um, okay. If she accepted responsibility for the collateral, then even if there isn't a pruta, she is um, betrothed because the value, it's as if the value is still there, even though the item isn't there yet. Um, Okay, but again, that's collateral. But if it's a loan, even if there is a pruta there, she's not betrothed. Again, the loan doesn't count. The collateral does count. Um, and from here, since we're talking about a loan, the Gemara asks, is a loan seen as if it's in the domain of the lender or of the borrower? Meaning, who owns the collateral while it's in the lender's house, right? Is it that it's the lenders or is it still the borrowers, right? If it gets lost and the bar and the borrower is responsible, so then we see that it's the borrowers and not the lender. Um, but there's a machloket, there's a disagreement if um, if the borrower didn't spend any of the money yet, can the lender ask for the money back, right? Again. Whose money is it? Once he lends the money, is it the borrowers or does it remain the lenders as long as it wasn't spent? Um, okay, let's say the man says, be betrothed to me with this I owe you, right? He has a piece of paper that says, I owe, you know, I owe so-and-so money, right? So here the case is, before we had the case where one of them lent the other one money, but let's say he lent money to somebody else, right? And he has an IOU, so meaning it's like a promissory note. So there's a machloket if this is valid, right? It's a loan to somebody else. Or the Gemara says, no, maybe the loan is actually to her, right? Or no, the loan is to somebody else. Um, and here the question is, what is this IOU, right? Is it the document? that says, right, so-and-so lend so-and-so money, or maybe we're talking about an oral uh, loan, right? Meaning a verbal loan where nothing was written down, right? So Rebbe says, I owe you can be given to somebody else, um, or no, you have to explicitly write that you need to now pay back so-and-so and not me, right? Meaning you can't just take this promissory note and give it to somebody else. Um, okay, dot 44 tells us that if a person sold the IOU to someone else, the original lender can actually forgive the debt, and even an inheritor can forgive the debt. 
Therefore, um, you can't use this IOU, right? It's not transferable, and you can't use it for betrothal, for kiddushin, because the person can always forgive the loan. So then the woman is not going to rely on this piece of paper to have actual value. And therefore, we say uh, it is not valid for betrothal. Um, Okay, let's talk about a verbal loan, right? Somebody owes, uh, borrows money from somebody else. If the lender tells the borrower to pay a third party, right? So let's say, you know, uh, Ruben borrows money from Shimon and Shimon owes right, money to somebody else. He can pay back the other person, but that all has to happen if they say it um, in front of all of those um, all of those three people. Um, okay, let's say you were let's say a man betrothed a woman with a document. Um, there's again a machloket if it works. Um, we check if the paper has the value of a pruta, and the Gemara says no. What are you talking about? It was an IOU. She owed him money, and that's why it would work. And the Gemara says no. What kind of document was it? It was a document of betrothal without witnesses, right? If you remember in the very beginning of this Masechet, we said that someone can betroth uh, a, a woman with a document, right? So that's the document that we're talking about, but it doesn't have any signatures on it. Um, and therefore it's not value, valid. Um, according to Rabbi Meir, you need witnesses to sign this document. Um, Rabbi Eliezer says that it's the witnesses that witness the giving over of the document that make it valid and not the witnesses on the document. Um, okay, hold on. Okay. Um, um, another question is, does um, when the man writes this document of betrothal, um, does he have to write it with this woman in mind, right? Do we need it to be lishma? Does it have to be in mind for this woman or no? Um, and if you remember, we've been discussing how we compare kiddushin, betrothal, to gerushin, divorce. And we know that the get, right, the, the divorce document, has to be written with her in mind. Therefore, so too does the the document for betrothal, or maybe not. That's the sorry. That is the disagreement on this duff. Um, let's say um, let's say a woman gives a man gold to make into jewelry. Right? He's a jewelry maker. Um, so she asks him to make jewelry. And then she says, you know what? I'll be betrothed to you um, with, this, with this jewelry, right? Now, don't forget, the gold is hers. So when she gets the jewelry, she is betrothed, says the Gemara. Or maybe it's valid even before he makes the jewelry. Again, this seems to be um, that uh, this idea of um, betrothing with a loan because it's not his to give to her till he finishes making it into jewelry. 
Uh, and because of this, the Gemara starts, the Gemara is going to speak about a craftsman, right? Somebody, excuse me, somebody who makes items, right? So a craftsman, um, the question is, let's say you ask a, a person to make you something. Um, do you owe them money as they're making it for you? Or do you only owe them the money at the end when the actual item is uh, what was created, was made, right? So this is actually a very, um, a very important machloket of how we understand wages for someone who's being creative, right? Are we buying his work and then the work is throughout the whole time? Or are we buying the piece that he makes and that's not available till the end. So the Gemara tells us that a craftsman is owed wages as he's working, um, not only at the end, um, right, as he works. So then she already owes him money. And therefore, this is like a loan. Or no, a loan, as we said, isn't valid kiddushin. Um, but the machloka is if the craftsman is owed only at the end, Right, and therefore it's not a loan, um, or as he works, uh, and then again it would be a loan till the end. Um, again, we're arguing if the craftsman is making the material nicer, so then he actually acquires the object, and then he sells it back to you um, when it's finished. Then it would be valid betrothal. It would be a valid kiddushin. Right, even though she gave him the uh, the actual um, uh, gold, right, the the materials, um, when he makes it into something so beautiful, he actually acquires it through all the work that he's done, and then he sells it back. Um, right, or maybe the cases where the craftsman added to the materials himself. And then obviously he can use it to betroth her with that right extra material. Um, he can't betroth her uh, with work that he did or will do in the future. But as we said, if he adds his own material, so then it would be valid. Um, okay, Zohar asked about Leah as opposed to Rachel in terms of intent of who he was betrothing. Um, yes, that is an issue, but we're going to get to that later in the Masachet. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for now. Uh, we're going to talk about um, different intent in what actually it, right now, uh, but in a different way. Uh, because Zohar, you're talking about he intended to marry this woman and got a different woman. Uh, but let's talk about um, different intent or wrong intent when we're talking about the betrothal itself. Um, so the Mishnah tells us that a person says, um, I want you to be betrothed to me with this cup of wine. Um, but it turns out that it's actually honey, um, right? Or the opposite. Or he says, be betrothed to me with this gold. And it turns out that he gives her silver. Or he tells her, um, I want you to be betrothed to me. You should just know I'm very rich, right? And he turns out that he's poor, right? All of these are invalid kiddushin. They're invalid betrothal because it's, as, as Zohar mentioned, the intent is wrong, uh, right? And this is not what she, she thought she was getting gold. 
and she got silver. So uh, no, that's a, that's invalid. Um, or another option is that if it's to her advantage, maybe it would be valid, right? He says, I'm poor. She says, oh, okay, I'll marry you. And he says, oh, no, 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 I'm just kidding. I'm really rich. And she's like, oh, that's amazing, right? So maybe, right? Uh, the second opinion is if it's good for her, so great. The first opinion is she accepted certain, right, conditions. That, that condition was not upheld and therefore it is invalid so the gemara explains this right do we uh, count the cup uh we first he says right be uh betrothed to me with this cup of wine now the cup is a cup uh so the cup was still there just the contents were wrong um right so do we count the cup as part of the betrothal process um or not right so let's say if there's a sale right if it's wine and it turns out to be vinegar Everybody can pull out because everybody thought they were getting different things. Um, or maybe the cases we were talking about, it's an agent um, and they didn't listen to the uh, the person who sent them, right? An agent has to listen to the person who sent them um, no matter what, right? So let's say she told her agent, accept silver and he accepts gold, right? Is it valid, right? Did she mean only silver? Or did she mean like silver and better, right? And now that it's gold, so okay, maybe that would be great. Um, so here there's a machloket about shlichut, about agency, right? The sender just maybe is giving uh, like a pointer, right? Like you should get the money, right? But if it's more money, so great, get more money, right? Or was the sender being extremely particular? I wanted silver, I didn't want gold, I didn't want you to get that to me, um, right? So here, da 49, um, the, the Gemara talks about, um, about again, shlichut, and is the shaliach particular about what they're saying, or just giving an idea, an estimate? Right, so let's say a woman told her agent to get a get from a certain, um, right, in a certain place and not in this place, right? We did this in Gitin. Um, is it valid or not, right? So um, the question is, would she care or not? Um, let's say she had monetary benefit, so then it would be valid. But if it's, let's say, a benefit of lineage, then maybe it's not valid, meaning uh, he says, he's a Kohen, and really he's a Levi, right? So again, this is not what she uh, what she agreed to, um, right? Let's say he says, I have a daughter, or I have a maidservant who can help in the house. That seems to be monetary benefit. Um, or maybe this is about lineage, like how important is he, right? He says he's a reader, um, if he's, what does it mean, a reader, that he can read three, uh, this is like someone who can read the Torah, so if he can read three verses, three psukim in the shul, so then it's valid, right? Or he needs to be able to translate it, or he needs to be able to read from other books in the Tanakh. Uh, and now the Gemara defines different words, right? If he says, I want you to be betrothed to me because I'm a learner. What does learner mean? I learn 
laws. I learned the the law, the um, different types of laws from the Sifri, from the Tosefta. If he says he's a student, it means that if you ask me a question about what I'm learning, I can answer it. If he says he's a chacham, a wise person, you can ask him uh, maybe about wise things. You can ask advice. If he says he's gibor, so the Gemara says it doesn't mean that he has to be the most wise or the most mighty. It just means he has to be, you know, mightier maybe than other people. Uh, wealthy, he doesn't have to be the richest person. Uh, it has to be that his, the people in the city give him honor. If he says that he's a tzaddik, right? Tzaddik means righteous. So even if he's actually evil, it's valid because as long as he thinks about doing repentance, doing tshuva, so then you're considered a tzaddik. Remember last week we talked about um, that that God accepts tshuva, repentance at any point. So if you say you're a tzaddik and you do tshuva, so then that's great. Let's say he says, um, be betrothed to me because I'm a rasha. I'm terrible, right? Even if he's a tzaddik, it's valid because maybe he thought about something negative. So that would make him uh less than perfect, as one would say. Uh, from here, we have a very long list. I'm not going to read all of it. Um, if you want to see it, it's on DAF 49. Uh, it's a very famous um, Gemara that talks about, the I'll read the beginning. Um, there were 10 measures of wisdom that were sent down into the world. Nine of them went to Israel, uh, the, and, then, and then one went to the rest of the world. 10 measures of beauty, uh, right, nine go to Jerusalem, one to the rest of the world. And it goes through many different things, uh, wealth and poverty and arrogance, um, might and sorcery and all these different things, and how, like, there was one nation that gets the most, and then, like, the rest of the world gets the rest of it. Um, a famous one, uh, maybe an infamous one, is uh, 10... Uh, measures of speech came down to the world. Nine of them went to women because women like to talk a lot. And one went to the rest of the world. I would like to say women like to learn a lot. And that's where it went. Um, and um, anyway, so it's a long list. Um, it's very interesting. Um, so that is on DAF 49. Okay, let's say the next Mishnah. Um, Let's say the um, the man says, "Be betrothed to me. I'm a Kohen, but really he's a Levi, uh, right? He's a Natin. He doesn't know where he comes from, but really he's a Mamzer. He knows that he's um, from a, a forbidden relationship. He says he's from the big city, but really he's from the small city. He says my house is close to the bathhouse, but it's really far. He says he has a daughter or a son. Again, all of these are invalid." Um, and because again, he's misleading, um, the woman and, and here's very, an interesting point. I mean, it's all interesting, but here, um, the Mishnah says, even if she says, I thought, right, I don't care. I want to be betrothed to him no matter what. It's still invalid. Uh, because again, it, this seems to be saying that the betrothal is like a condition. The condition is False, right? Again, I'm a Kohen, but really you're a Levi. You you're you said the wrong thing. 
uh, and therefore it is invalid. Even if she says, I don't care, I love him, I want to marry him, great, you can marry him, but he needs to betroth you again in the proper way. Um, and if she, again, all of this was him misleading her, so too if she misleads him, it is also invalid, right? If, if she, he thinks that she's in one way, but really she's not, it is also invalid. Um, okay, so since we're talking about the validity of, um, I guess, intention, the Gemara tells us a story of a person who sold all of his possessions because he was moving to Israel, right? He says, a big yard sale, he doesn't, he doesn't say that he's moving to Israel, but we, he knows he's moving to Israel. He just says, right, going out of business sale. And, and then, um, and then he, uh, ends up not going to Israel. Um, so then he cannot go back to, um, he cannot go back to, um, um, the person and say, I, I want all my things back. Um, and from here, the Gemara is talking about something called, in Hebrew, it's called Dvarim Shebalev. Uh, Dvarim Shebalev means um, things that um, you're thinking about, but um, not, but you didn't express. Um, just because you're thinking about something doesn't make them valid, meaning because nobody else knows what you're thinking. Um, so Da 50 tells us, right, again, if someone verbalized that they will bring a korban, right, a sacrifice, um, so then it's valid, even if in his heart he doesn't want to, right? We don't count what's in your heart, which is interesting because we always talk about intent. Um, but here we're saying if you clearly verbalize something, we go with what you've said and not what you're thinking. Right, and we've seen this before, right? Forcing somebody to do something that they don't maybe necessarily want to do, but as long as they do it, it's valid, right? However, right, another case, if the person sold all their possessions and they told the people, right, they did it because they were moving and then they can't, um, and then they, they, um, then, um, they can't go back on the sale if they don't move. But if he moved and then he returned because he couldn't make it, he can ask for things back because he said, right, I'm, I'm selling you my couch because I'm moving to Israel. Um, okay, next Mishnah. Um, a man says to an agent, go and betroth this woman for me in that city, right? And then the agent goes to a different city. It is invalid. We actually saw this in Gitin, if you remember. If he says, Right, she lives in Tel Aviv, and then he finds her in a different city. He can do it in the other city because he didn't say you have to betroth her in the city. He just said she lives in the other city. Um, so the Gemara says again the same thing with divorce. We need both of these Mishnayot um, because um, one is important to tell us that with divorce, that's the case and also for betrothal. Next Mishnah, a man said, right, a man betrothes a woman on condition that she doesn't have any vows, right? She didn't take any vows, um, and it turns out that she does, so it's invalid, the betrothal, because he made this condition. If he didn't say anything, 
and then he finds out that she has vows. So the betrothal isn't invalid because he didn't make that the condition of the betrothal, but um, he can divorce her without paying her her ktuva money. Um, let's say he betrothes her, betrothes her on condition that she doesn't have any blemishes, and it turns out that she does. It's invalid. If he doesn't say anything and finds blemishes, so then he can divorce her without paying her ktuva. Again, we learned this actually in ktuvot, so this is a good review for this Mishnah as well. Next Mishnah. Um, a man betrothes two women at the same time with one pruta, not one pruta each, but one pruta total. Or he gives one woman less than a pruta. Um, so even if he sends gifts afterwards, right, after this pretend uh, or right, not such a good betrothal, um, so even if he sends her a gift afterwards, the gift doesn't count as part of the betrothal, and therefore it's invalid, right? We don't see the gift as part of the kiddushin, as part of the betrothal. Um, also, if he betrothed her when he was a minor, which he's not allowed to do, um, if he then grew up and sent her presents, that does not count as a new betrothal and it's invalid. So now the Gemara explains, um, even if he thinks it works, it doesn't work. Um, and the Gemara tells us we need all three of the cases in the Mishnah because each one of them, again, um, you might think that one of them works but not the other, so the Mishnah tells us that none of these cases work. Um, let's say that the couple was set up, right? They went on a few blind dates, um, and then um, he sends her gifts. So those gifts could be seen as betrothal, right? Because they were already dating, and um, he now sends her gifts. Or we say, no, it's not viewed as kedushin because he didn't say, I want to betroth you, right? He doesn't say, and therefore it doesn't work. Um, if there was a betrothal and then he sent gifts, if they live in a place that there's a custom to do this, so then we see the gifts as part of the betrothal process. But if not, so then, um, so then no. Okay, next Mishnah. Um, if a person betroths a woman and her daughter at the same time, now this is going to take you all the way back to Yivamot. If you remember, a man is not allowed to be married to a woman and her daughter. So if he tries to betroth both of them at the same time, none of them, but neither of them are betrothed. Um, so to a woman and her sister, you cannot do this. Um, okay, don't mention Yaakov and Rachel and Leah because that's a separate, separate. Uh, biblical case, but we know that a man is not allowed to marry two sisters. Um, and now we have uh, a crazy case. Uh, there are five women. Of the five, two of them are sisters. And a man takes a basket of figs, uh, and it was actually their figs, uh, and the figs were shvi'it, um, meaning it was a shmita year, so um, it was shmita produce. 
And then a man gave it to these girls, but one of them accepts the basket. And he says, you are all betrothed to me with this basket. So the sisters are not betrothed because they can't be, but everyone else is. So we're going to see how this works. So the Gemara says, um, okay, go back to the mother and the daughter case. You can't betroth people who are um, forbidden to be married at the same time, even though the verse, right, the verse really speaks to about it one after the other, meaning you marry a woman, you now can't go and marry her daughter or her sister. Um, and so our Mishnah seems to teach us that if there's something that you can't do one after the other, you also can't do it simultaneously. Meaning you might think that when he betrothes the two women, at least one of them should be able to be betrothed because one of them is okay. So the Gemara says, no, our Mishnah is teaching that because it can't be done one after the other, it can't be done simultaneously. However, on Daf 51, um, the Gemara tells us that there are exceptions to this. Uh, with Maaser, with tithes, if you give more than 10%, then only 10% is seen as the tithe. And therefore, the, 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 if you give more than that, this would ruin everything because part of it is now not a tithe. It's not maser, but the rest of the food is okay, right? But how does this work? Um, because again, um, it, the Gemara explains that this is a very specific case because with maser, you could, you can um, kind of sanctify half of each kernel. So every kernel, like only half of it, is sanctified and the other half is not. Um, and therefore, it would be valid enough to make the rest of the food um, able to be eaten. Um, but you can't betroth half a woman, uh, and therefore it doesn't work for kiddushin. Um, the same thing with the tithe of animals. You could make like a mistake and instead of only separating the 10th animal, what if you separated the ninth animal? Those also become sanctified. Um, okay, let's say, um, uh, it, let's say he, he betroths a woman um, or her daughter um, or one out of the two sisters. So then it does work, right? Again, only one of them does work, but um, now, let's say he doesn't remember which one, right? We have a mother and the daughter. He betrothed one of them, but he doesn't know which one. So, because you can't marry now either of them, because one of them is the is the fiance and the other one isn't. Um, so now, because it's because he can't marry either of them, um, so then both of them are invalid. Right, the, the way the Gemara explains it is if you can't have relations with one of the women, so both uh, both of the women are now forbidden to him. Um, so, but what about our case in the Mishnah with the five girls? Two of them were sisters. Um, so, it, if the case was where he said, one of you is betrothed to me, right, maybe that was the case. Or he said, right, the one who is permitted to me 
is betrothed to me. So that's why it would be valid. And the sisters are not valid. Um, let's say a man betrothed one of his daughters, but right to somebody else, but he doesn't remember which one, right? So he doesn't specify which one. So it only applies to the minors, right? Because he can betroth his minor daughters, not the adults. If the adult daughter made her father her agent to accept Kiddushin, um, we still assume that he accepted Kiddushin for the minor before he would accept Kiddushin for the adult. Because if you remember, when he accepts Kiddushin for the minor, the money that she gets goes to him. So he's going to betroth the minor before he betroths the adult. Um, okay, let's, okay. Let's say the father says, um, I betrothed my, my oldest daughter, um, but he has two sets of daughters, right, from two wives, um, an older group and a younger group. So what is my oldest daughter? Does it mean the oldest of the older group or the oldest of the younger group? Um, or maybe it's the youngest of the older group because she's still older than the whole younger group. Therefore, the Gemara tells us all of these women are forbidden to the man, except for the youngest of the youngest, because for sure she wouldn't be called the oldest. I hope I'm not giving you a headache, but it's uh, reminding us uh, uh, it's, it's, it's getting complicated. Um, but again, I think it's an interesting idea of Again, we started talking about intent, right? We have to know who is being betrothed to who. And if we don't, it doesn't work. Um, Rabbi Yossi holds that a person doesn't put himself into a position of doubt, right? He's not going to say something that's confusing or complicated. Therefore, when he said the oldest, he must have meant the oldest of the oldest, meaning his firstborn daughter. And that's it. And don't make it so complicated. Um, Again, uh, let's say someone betrothed one of two sisters, but he doesn't remember which one. So then he has to give a get to both, right? He has to divorce both of them because we don't know which one. Um, but let's say he dies. So his brother, back to Yivamot, if we weren't getting confusing enough. So his, if, if he dies, the brother needs to do chalitza with both. If you remember, chalitza is the, the ceremony to um, almost like a divorce, but from Yibum, from Leverite marriage. So he needs to chalita for both, because again, we don't know which one was really the wife. If there are two surviving brothers, one can do chalita and one can do Yibum, because either she's the wife, so he's doing Yibum, or she wasn't the wife and he's just marrying the girl, so then that would be okay. Um, let's say two men betrothed two sisters. The men are not brothers. They betrothed two sisters, and they don't remember which one. Again, please do not do this at home. When you're betrothing someone, right, please make sure you know who, who's there. Right? That goes back to your Rachel and Leah question. Right? That's why we do the whole um, ceremony of the bedekin, the, where the, the groom comes and looks and makes sure this is the woman he wants to marry, and only then does he put on the veil. Uh, that is to make sure that we don't have this case, right? You know who you're going to betroth. Okay, um, just to make things a little complicated, two men 
betrothed two sisters and they don't remember which one, each one gives them a get. Um, because again, they knew originally who they betrothed, they just don't know now. Let's say those two men died and each of them have a brother. So then the brother does chalitza to both of them. If one of them had one brother, but the other one had two brothers, so the one does chalitza to both women, and then the two, one does chalitza and one does yibum. Again, one can marry the girl because either he's doing yibum or he's just marrying a woman. Okay, da 52. If both do, um, if, yeah, in that case, if both did yibum, it would be okay. Um, okay, one man has five daughters and another man has five sons. Keep them away from each other, but they didn't. Um, and then they said, um, my daughter will marry your son. But then they forgot which daughter is going to marry which son. So each son needs to give each daughter a get, right? They need to get divorced. If one of the son dies, so then each daughter needs a get from each one, plus chalitza from one of the sons, because you only need to do it once. Um, okay. Um, and just as a side note, this is the case um, where we hold, where we follow the law according to Abaye as opposed to Rava. In general, Abaye and Rava were um, what's called Bar Plukta. They always, uh, many times they disagreed. Generally, we go according to Rava, um, but there are six cases where we follow Abaye, um, and this is one of the six. Um, this is, there's an um, acronym for this. It's called YAL KAGAM, um, which is the, um, uh, the, I just say Roshay Tevot. It's the letter for, the first letter of each one of the six cases where, initials, thank you, um, for the six cases where we go according to Abaye as opposed to Rava. So this is one of those cases. Okay. Um, the Gemara tells us that we learn four things from our Mishnah. One, again, the case with the five girls. So one, you can betroth a woman with fruit during the Shemitah year, even though it's not owned by anyone, you could use it um, to betroth a woman. You can't, um, you can't betroth a woman with something stolen. You have to own it. Um, a woman can be an agent for another woman, even if she's also going to marry the same man. Remember we said three of those women, right? One woman accepted the basket and all three were betrothed. So that works. And um, if there's Kedushin where, a betrothal where you can't have relations with one of the women, it's still valid. Um, but Rav doesn't agree with this. And he says that part is not valid. Um, from here, since we mentioned stealing, um, the Gemara tells us that if a person steals something and the on owner does not give up hope, this is called yeush, yeush is where you don't give up any hope, then you still own it, um, and neither can, can betroth the woman because the guy who stole it doesn't own it, and the guy who owns it doesn't have it, so neither of them can use it. Um, Okay, so again, as we said, ah, so now the Gemara says that something that's stolen um, or grabbed from her can be used 
to betroth a woman, but that's only if it was hers, right? He takes it from her and then he gives it back. But if it's from somebody else, then it is not valid. Um, but again, our Mishnah talks about that the fruit was hers. If they were prearranged to get married, and then he takes the fruit from her, and then he betroths her with that fruit, so then it works, meaning they were already going to get engaged, and well, it doesn't matter if it's his, if it's hers, they're already going to get engaged. But if they weren't going to get engaged, stop, right? a man just walks up to a woman in the marketplace and steals things from her and then gives it back to her, that does not work. That's not valid. Um, what if a man stole money from another person and then betrothed the woman with it? It doesn't work. Again, it's not his money, so it's invalid. Um, the Gemara gives a case of a sharecropper who betrothed a woman with the onions that he was farming. Again, the question is, was it his or is it not? Um, and um, yes. Okay, last Mishnah for today. We did a lot of Mishnayot today. Um, the last Mishnah says, a person betroths a woman um, with, he's, let's say, a priest, he's a Kohen, so he betroths her with a portion of the sacrificial meat that he's going to get. Um, so the, the Mishnah says this is invalid um, because the assumption is that the sacrificial meat is not really his, it's really God's, right, and God is kind of sharing it with him. Um, let's say he used Master Shani, uh, again, this is the tithe that you separate, but it remains yours, just you have to eat it in Jerusalem. It's still invalid. Um, or if you did it by accident, it's invalid. But if you did it on purpose, it works. Um, if he used um, sanctified, something sanctified, something hectish, something that was set aside for the temple, if he did it on purpose, to betroth her with it, it's valid. And if he does it by accident, then it's invalid or the opposite. So the Gemara is mostly going to explain it next week, so you're going to have to remember. Um, but for this week, the Gemara talks about the machluket, um, about the sacrificial meat. Um, is it the owner's property or is it God's? Um, or maybe that's only a machluket when the animal is still alive. But once it gets slaughtered, everyone agrees that it's God, God's, and that you can't use it for betrothal. Again, he needs to own the item that he is giving. Um, okay. Um, the, um, okay. The, the last thing that the Gemara tells us is that there was an argument about um, this sacrificial meat, right? Can the priest it says that the priest can use it any way he wants. Therefore, he could betroth a woman with it. Or the Gemara says, no, he can do anything he wants with it to eat it. But he can't take it and do something else with it uh, that shows that really he needs to eat it and he cannot give it to her. Um, with that, we are uh, going to uh, finish for this evening. Um, I want to wish everyone a wonderful Sukkot. Be'ezrat uh, Hashem. We will uh, meet again next week at our regular day and time. Chag uh, Sameach, everyone. Have a wonderful 
Shmiyatzeret and Simchat Torah and uh, all of those wonderful and Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Uh, all of those wonderful things. <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca.